0: Welcome to the Soccer Podcast where we talk soccer in Delaware, soccer in the rest of the world, and everything in between. My name is Sebastian, and this week I'm joined here by Dwayne.
1: What's up, Sebastian? And get if ready it, to it, kick it, off this uh it, school year.
0: It's Phil feel, it feels like we haven't recorded the podcast in like three months, but it's only been a week. Well, I mean, we did have an episode last week. So for for reference, those of you that were like, wait, this episode last week only had just like went straight into an interview. Yes, it did. Partially because uh, we had this interview recorded from the convention with Scott Mosier, head coach at Sally's, um, and we we, wanted to save it for high school season. We wanted to save it right before high school season. So it was it was basically right there. Um, But but between Dwayne and I being very busy last week, we like honestly, I ran out of time or I ran out of the ability to prioritize being able to actually sit down for 20 minutes or 30 minutes to record the podcast. So it was just the easiest thing to do,
1: which is literally just put the interview out. Hey, I went to a wedding for a former Delaware Gatorade Player of the Year for soccer. There you go. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So I didn't. I was working. Um,
0: <laughs> I was in the middle of preseason. Um, preseason, man. How's
1: preseason going?
0: So, yeah. So Odessa soccer, Odessa boys soccer preseason. Uh, second week is done. Out of three, so no practice today. Boys are off today. Uh, we're back at it on Monday when we go play Milford. Um, you give him a three day weekend. Give him a three day weekend. Uh, well, tomorrow we're doing some volunteering. We're doing some good for the community. Uh, we'll, we'll, mandatory we'll volunteering? <laughs> no, not mandatory. absolutely not mandatory. Uh, we will be at the uh, Odessa Fire Company, which is legitimately around the corner from our from our school. Uh we're going to be out there washing some trucks and helping helping the Odessa Fire Company out so uh shout out to Chief Wilson for for uh for all the communication and and allowing our boys to to come out there and uh and help out um fire. It, <laughs> it's a volunteer fire company it's a volunteer fire company man so I feel like it's it's good to to be able to support the people that if worst case scenario something does happen those are the guys that are coming out those are those are the the, the uh, the men and women that are coming out and helping us out so uh, high pressure fire hoses baby so we're, we're gonna be out there i don't know what we're doing uh i i you know i just told them we wanted to come out and volunteer and help out so i don't know if we're you know they got you know they're, they're they're going mudding with the fire truck right before <laughs> whatever they're doing uh but we'll be out there <laughs> we'll be out there i'm bringing <laughs> I'm, I'm bringing the i'm bringing i'm bringing the kids as well my kids uh so you never know maybe ethan might might take the fire truck for a joy ride
1: yeah i mean that's that's pretty sweet what i will say is i think i told you this already but you got to come down to the fire school next year when they have the dynamic yes. Groups event yes um, fire schools right down here in dover and and for for putting the context like for we talk about fire safety fire prevention all that stuff they this is where the fire companies in delaware train and i think there's even some outside people like some pennsylvania maryland people that come over and yeah. and do the stuff they have set up there and the stuff that you see them go through on a daily basis is kind of crazy so you get to see it up close yeah like from yeah. a training perspective yeah yeah for sure
0: so yeah so um so yeah we're we give them a three week three day we've been doing two days for the last like week and a half uh so you know tuesday play day we played on saturday so it's it we felt like it was the right time to give them some time off uh we'll be back at it on tuesday and we'll close out the week tuesday wednesday thursday training and then friday off and then we come back to school that next week so
1: uh, you can play against one of my players on tuesday uh oh uh, from milford i guess you can get a waiver to play high school soccer a year early really Apparently, interesting. Okay, you got a waiver. I was like, wait, hold on. Like, this doesn't mathematically make sense. He yeah, like you need a waiver. You okay. A waiver. All right, waiver, wa- waiver, waiver in. You know, waiver in. Hey, listen. When you got a kid that shows up, you have a fitness test at seven thirty. Practice over at seven thirty. A fitness test from seven thirty to eight. He messaged you and says he can't get there because the team had a scrimmage or something and he shows up just for the fitness test. Got a dog. Got got. I got a dog.
0: There you go. Uh, well, speaking of, speaking of your team, well, let's, let's jump into our interview. Uh, let's see who, who we brought on the podcast today for, for an interview, which has been, uh, which is pretty fun. All right. So we'll, we'll go to that now. All right, Dwayne, uh, I'm going to let you lead this because this is uh yeah, it's my this wheelhouse. Is it, this is your wheelhouse. These are, I mean, even though I know that the the two guys were interviewing, uh, this is uh, this is your your new your new adventure, uh,
1: that you started recently that we've talked about before. So,
0: so I'm gonna hey, let, you, I got my, let you take over. I was able to get
1: my technical director on the podcast. Let's just put it like that. It's that's enough said right there, right?
0: Listen, for for the for the three years that we've had this podcast, we were never able, never able to get our previous
1: technical director on the podcast. <laughs> so you already you're already a step ahead. We're already a step ahead. We're making moves already. But um, yeah, on the podcast today, we have you know technical director and um your title is hold on, uh executive director for Route One Sports, Josh Tucker. And then we've got vice chairman. Of Route one Sports and Director of Coaching RJ Dina. How you guys doing?
2: Pretty good, man. Happy to be here with you guys. Feel like it's been a long time coming.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, it has uh, trust
0: us, yeah, it's, definitely it's, a it's long time. Coming. Um, so so Josh, this is uh you've you've now beaten you've been Chad rita at being on the podcast.
2: Uh probably the only time I've beaten Chad in my life. So poor-
0: <laughs> <laughs> you very Um, Chad, Chad was in an episode like next to us while we recorded it, but refused to be on the, on the episode. So, um, so, so now you've, you've beaten them. So, uh, all right, let's, uh, let's, let's talk about Rat one and let's talk about DFA and, and where, where the crossover is and where the differences are. So, uh, Josh, I'll let you, let you start. So what, what is Rat one and how did it start and what are you guys doing?
2: So uh Route 1 is uh, is our nonprofit profit sports entity. Um we have a couple different um different organizations that operate underneath of that um that kind of provide different services and opportunities uh to the to the Kenton Sussex County community. So uh the first the first branch that we offer are our camp summer camps. Um we ran I think seven uh summer camps this this past summer. Um two at sussex academy uh one at cesar rodney uh one at lake forest and we had a couple couple local camps at the uh, at the turf complex for high school and middle school age and elementary school age kids um the the second facet is the delaware football academy which which is our travel club uh which is run out of the turf complex as well as sussex academy Um, and then our third, our third branch is, um, like our winter training, um, kind of like a recreational grassroots, um, introductory program, like a select program as some organizations would call it, um, just providing a segue between the recreational programs, um, for those players looking to make the jump into the, into the travel program. Um, so we, uh, we came to fruition, uh, in the fall of 23, um, is kind of when it started. And we recognized that there is a large, um, difference in income and availability and opportunity uh, both in Kent and Sussex County. And and because um because of that that difference, um we just felt like there was more that could be done. Um obviously, you know, when we talk about US soccer, we talk about the play to pay to play model, right? And how how much how so much talent um, doesn't get the opportunity or, or doesn't even get to make, make it on the radar in in terms of, of competitive soccer, um, let alone on the grassroots level as well. Um, I think something that a lot of people don't realize is, you know, even though some of the program fees here locally are, you know, a hundred bucks for, for a season. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a utility bill. That's a grocery bill for families. And it's not, it's not necessarily, you know, a, a, you know, requirement for them to, to have an opportunity to play. You know what I mean? It's more so if they can afford it, they can, but there's many they can't. Um, so we, we made the decision that we wanted to kind of try to rewrite the script a little bit, if you will, um, and really uh, encompass, focus on the opportunity, not necessarily so much the financial, um, the financial side of the game. And and I think what we've been able to do so far in our first inaugural year, um, launching twenty. 23 i'm sorry i said fall of 23 we came to fruition that was fall 2022 my bad yeah um but uh but really really we've been able to kind of kind of Stamp our flag um, in the lower part of the state, and and I think we were able to serve close to 700 families this summer, um, and we're looking to expand that into the summer of 2024 with some additional school districts coming on board. Um, I think there's a lot of people that have become aware of of what we're doing and how we're doing it, and they're they're realizing that this is really based on the community and building building the opportunities through our through our outreach programs and the, and the different facets of what our organization does.
0: Um, it, it's super important that I think you end up with the staff that you have and even even going through your board, right? You got Zach Hearn and Kyle Wheatley on board as well. Um so you you have a local tie into the community, right? And obviously that's a that's a huge part of it. Um why why Kent County and Sussex County? I guess would be the 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 biggest question.
2: Well I think I think obviously geographically it makes the most sense for us. Um and and You know, as you kind of look at the staff and and you know, obviously Kyle, Dwayne, and myself, um, you know, we're we're Dover High, oh, we play all day every day, um, and you know, when we look back historically at you know at at you know CDSA back in the day was the was the Central Delaware Soccer Association, Uh, you know, I was a product of it, um you know, Kyle Wheatley was, so is Dwayne. I mean, we see the importance of it. RJ, RJ was down at CSA for a short spell. Um, you know, he had ties to, to Delaware union. I think it was MOT soccer club back in the day. uh, maybe when RJ played, but you know, we, as the local, as the local soccer guys, we understand the value and the importance of, of the pro- programming that we're going to provide. Um, and who better to figure out, Solutions to the marketplaces that we grew up in, and we really have we really have a true education of what what our marketplaces and our communities how they operate, the logistics of that, and and who better to try to try to lead that lead that change than guys that were products and are are fully vested in these in these communities. I think I think it just made sense as we looked at the group as as pieces just kind of started falling into place. Um, And ironically, like you know, Dwayne, obviously I've known Dwayne for forever, um, but just the timing for him to kind of come on board as all of this was was really starting to really take off um you know it just seemed like the timing just made sense the personnel that came on board and the and the staff that were reaching out to get involved and and kind of got wind of what we were doing it, it really just it really just snowballed to a little bit bigger i think than what we originally had um had planned in our in our first preliminary meeting so um you know we're, we're community guys we love our communities we want to see these kids have better opportunities than we had and and we're going to make that happen no matter what no
0: um, RJ, what is this? What does this mean from a, from a high school perspective? There's a, there's a few high school coaches within your staff, right? You got, you got you, uh, toe is in there as well. Uh, DC doing some, some of the summer, summer camp things as well. So what does that mean from a high school perspective and, and how does that help your pathway, whether it's Dover CR Sussex
3: Academy, and even the other schools in the, in the area? Yeah. So, I mean, from a high school standpoint, now we we have local programming that that is at a competitive level and we can essentially have players from, you know, whatever it is, middle school level that, you know, if they're in the, the Kent County area, now they're playing club soccer at a competitive level at a younger age. They go to their high school programs. Now they're competing at a much higher level. And one of the things, like when I first came down, um, to Sussex Academy and, and into the Sussex County area, that there's so much talent here that, that just that there isn't enough programming for them or programming at an affordable cost that, uh, you know, w- what we have been able to provide, we've reached, you know, over 500 kids at the club level for at least tryouts um, just based on the locations of, you know, our site at Sussex Academy and at the Delaware Turf now we're just providing opportunities for these kids to be playing all year round. You know, with my girls programming specifically, we had a great year in this past uh, spring season, but only like four of my players have been playing club soccer, you know, the entire fall and winter timeframe. Now with this, this new club, what we've been able to do, the location of training sites for, you know, 50% of the high school girls age groups I've got now instead of four club players for for specifically my high school team, I'm going to have over 10. And that's significant in terms yeah. of opportunities, allowing these kids to play all year round. It just makes them better soccer players. You know, coaching up north, playing up north, um, in Delaware, there's a lot more club opportunities for these kids to be playing, and so historically, it's been the the northern schools that have dominated Delaware high school soccer. And just being now in the Henlopen Conference for at least you know f- almost four years now, it, the teams down here are competitive, but you can tell that they've just never had structured coaching other than three months out of the year. So if we can tap into you know the talent and provide year-round club training and different programming of all different levels you know that is affordable at the same time i think that from a high school standpoint you're going to see the south start to really catch up to those teams up north and and start to dominate i mean one of the glaring statistics that you know I, we looked at last year um, from boys and girls soccer, the teams that are making the tournament now almost a fifty-fifty split from the north and the south. Twenty teams make the Delaware High School um, State Tournament at the Division One and the Division Two level, and we had ten teams just from the Henlopen Conference, which is all the southern schools. Yeah. That's significant. And now, if we can provide an opportunity for them to get the same amount of time training throughout the fall, throughout the winter, there's off seasons for girls in high school, boys, so- boys and girls soccer. I mean, you're gonna watch as Delaware high school becomes an extremely competitive um, environment, and you know the the scores that that often you see in the first couple of rounds of the state tournament that you know are kind of significant blowouts or, or whatever the case may be like that. That's going to lessen to where it was extremely competitive when we were in um, like when Dwayne and I were in high school and when, when, you know, Josh was in high school, you know, where those games were very competitive. There was one state tournament with the division one and two split over the years. I think that it's been pretty lopsided, but I think the competitive level has and will significantly change um, you know, because we're providing more opportunities and, and uh, an opportunity to play at a competitive level year round.
0: I think part of it, too. And and I and I will admit that I was when I first got to Delaware, the idea of high school soccer and the at times almost this weird competition that happens between club and high school, even though <laughs> for the most part, they're not in the same season. So uh, but there was this weird competition that and until I really you know with odessa being there for now my fourth year on the girls side and you know just starting my the 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 first year with the boys the importance of the relationship with a club and the, re- the relationship with even the club coaches so the fact that there's there's you know three four or five of you guys that are involved in the high school part of it even though you're competing against each other right even though that i'm sure that dc and toe have a have a rivalry going on but you know the dover cr rivalry is always there Ultimately you want you want the growth for your players because it's that's the only way your programs are going to grow, right? Um, so what is that what what does that do from a from a club coaching perspective to have such a large number of high school staff members and uh you know, Tucker, Dwayne, who played in those high schools as well, what is what does that do?
3: Well, I, I think from the club standpoint one of the things that that i think we we often have an issue with is the the balance and the maintenance of the player throughout a long high school season and i know you know from a standpoint where i have a large majority of my guys playing for you know toes age group um here at the club we have conversations all the time about you know hey you have club training tonight but so and so is going to miss it you know because we we've got you know three games this week you know and instead of me having to choose like with some of my girls players that are playing Eastern shore you know, club in Maryland, there's no balance of these players in terms of, you know, Hey, you got to go a little bit lighter in a session or more of a recovery this, you know, this day, I have to hold them out of training sessions and I'm just telling them, Hey, it's a recovery. You know, I want you to, to jog here and there, get a good stretch, jump into a little bit of the lighter technical stuff. But when we we get into, you know, match play type of, you know, uh, situations within the sessions I sit them out because they they're just run down they're training four nights a week for club and then they're training you know with me three days and two games sometimes in a week now I have a relationship with toe and with dc and with some of these other high school coaches to say hey you know from a club standpoint we're going to go a bit lighter or the high school session they they you know we're going to go a bit lighter but there's a balance now that we can have a conversation and they can give me insight on this player at the club session or from a high school standpoint, maybe toe gives me some information on some of the Dover guys that I'm coaching um, at the club level, but there's a balance in it and a relationship and sort of a fluidity between the player that goes four or five, six days a week for high school and still two nights a week for club. And we've got now, you know, high school players that are going to be playing national league and, yeah. um, you know, and and we'll be playing at a high level training much earlier in their fall high school seasons for club than they have in the past just to prepare for those matches. Now we can have a conversation with these coaches, you know, Hey, so-and-so is going to sit out because, you know, in the high school session, we we have maybe two or three sessions before the next game. That's your rest and recovery time to prepare for, you know, whatever you've got club-wise and during the weekend, or you can miss this, you know, training session, but we can now balance the player out through that fall or spring season that doesn't burn them out. And we have this relationship where, you know, beforehand it felt like we really didn't have many conversations with the club coaches about how to, you know, maintain the player's health.
2: Yeah. No, that's huge. Um, If I can jump in real quick, I, I think the injury prevention that comes from that, that, um, that relationship between the club and the high school side so so i think i think you know and i'll i'll use you know 20 years ago when i was playing club soccer if you missed a club training session or a club match it was the end of the world just as much as you missed a high school match whereas you know and i and i think obviously as you look back you look at some players that were literally playing 365 and the amount of injuries that were sustained because of that fatigue as you came to the end of the high school season you know entering the the college showcase kind of time frames and some of the some of the better league play um, and and I think one thing that we've been able to reduce here in the last couple of years because of these relationships is extending the player, you know, lifetime of of being able to not deal with such, you know, injuries or knocks or or seeing seeing those continuously increase or get worse because of that overexertion. Um, and hopefully that's something that we can see take a little bit more of a precedence across the state because they're still, you know, we're still seeing top players getting injured because they are playing entirely too much between both club and, and high school. And I think we have to find a good balance. And, and because, again, at the end of the day, it's the players that are impacted, not necessarily the programs with those with those injuries.
0: Yeah, well, for sure. And, and I was going to ask you, um, it's a perfect segue. How do you manage how do you manage the ones that play multi sports? Right, because especially like on the girls' side, they're in the they're in their club season right now, but they might be playing volleyball, running cross country, field hockey, and and things. Like that. Especially down south where field hockey is is huge, right? And then, uh, so how do you how do you manage that part of it?
2: So we slide our training sessions, um, for our for our zone two and our high school age groups to seven thirty to nine, mm-hmm. um either at at the turf facility or, or SAS. Um, so that way they have time to get, get done their scholastic responsibilities, get a little something to eat, get some homework done before they report to the training ground. Um, but really it comes down to, you know, just like we talked about the communication between the club coaches and the high school coaches, it comes down to the communication between the coaches and the parents and the players to understand expectations and the, and managing the workload, um, across multiple facets. And I think, um, you know, Delaware, it seems like we have a lot of players that play a lot of different sports. Um, so just having those straightforward, candid conversations, you know, with the players and where, you know, where are they looking to go? So, you know, if we have a player that, you know, we know that they're gonna be going to, to play collegiate field hockey, we know that before we before we go into the season. Um and again, maybe that's a player that shows up once every two weeks until field hockey season's over. Then they dive into, you know, in the off season, kind of with both feet to, to push the development, um, platform as high as they can while they're with us. Um, but it's really, you got to get to know those players. And, and for the most part, a, a lot of our, a lot of our girls are, are focused on soccer. Um, and we've been really fortunate to kind of rebuild the girls programs downstate. Um, I think currently right now we've got two high school, high school girls age groups, um, both Dwayne and RJ are running those, those two teams. Um, and we're really starting to fill back up on the zone one side to kind of rebuild from the, from the COVID drop-off. Cause I think a lot of, a, a lot of competition between the different sports really hurt the girls programs down here. And I think we're slowly going to start seeing that, that turn. And and a lot of that I think is because we've just been open about, Hey, listen, if you're going to play multiple sports, let's just have a conversation about where you are and what your focus needs to be. And it seems like parents were kind of taken back that, that was kind of our approach on <laughs> on starting, kind of starting that dialogue, and we're not like, well, what do you mean you can't show up to both training sessions a week? You you need to be here for soccer. You can't miss this for field hockey or cross country or volleyball or whatever that is. So I I, I just think setting setting the clear can, you know expectations and and level of involvement right out of the gate has been has just been massive on 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 sorting that out. Yeah, what a, especially what a... on the
1: high school girl side. I mean, like I feel like the high school girl side is probably the hardest season to manage just because. Girl soccer is in the spring, but then, you know, field hockey's in the fall. Volleyball's in the fall. Cross country's in the fall. So, and for boys' soccer, is, it's the opposite, right? If you go and play lacrosse or whatever, it's in the spring, so you can kind of balance each other out. But girls' soccer, man, is just—it's so tough to balance.
0: Well, but what a what a <laughs> what what a concept, right? The idea of of actually communicating with your players and 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 and, and making sure. Or uh or accepting the fact that they're human beings and not just a number in the back of a jersey, right? Like it seems like it and Josh and I have definitely had this conversation for a long time about this idea that like it is about the idea of it knowing the individual players, right? It's it's not just uh the number and and I'd rather have you show up at hundred percent than you coming in every time at fifty percent because you're exhausted mentally and physically, right? Like um it does and and at the same time recognizing that. Um, if you are going to if you are gonna try to battle the idea of high school sports, uh, usually you're gonna come on the losing end of it because high school sports are so important and the social aspect of it alone, just you know, you're just gonna lose out on that. Especially if you got a senior, uh, you know, they're 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 definitely not missing anything. They're senior here of high school. Um Yeah. So um so let's talk about a let's talk a little bit about the style of play. Dwayne, Dwayne, Dwayne have daily conversations and he he talks to me about his training sessions and things like that so uh obviously i know duane is a coach but but what is his style of play what if i come out and watch uh for example as an odp scout right uh what what am i gonna see what's what's the what's the dfa uh player look like to a certain extent
2: um, we, we play a, a high energy, high work rate style of football. Um, you know, we want to, we want to press higher up the field. We want to create, uh, you know, attacking opportunities as, as high up the pitch as we possibly can. Um, but also with the recognition that we've got to utilize possession to, to manage the game and it's also, you know, manage, manage the other team a little bit. Um, you know, in each, I think, I think the one thing that, that some teams get stuck on we don't have one set formation or specific style because i think the biggest hang up in a lot of the a lot of the um games that i watch whether it's professional national team whatever i mean our our systems of play change depending on our opponent depending on our personnel that's available for the games who can travel who can who has who has conflicts or not so it is it is very common for for us to see you know multiple formational changes between, a you know, three to five weeks. Like you may come week one and we may be in a four, two, three, one. Um, you come the next week and depending on our personnel, we're in a three, five, two or a three, four, two, one. Um, just to, just to kind of manage, um, manage the personnel and, and kind of tweak some things based on what we've seen on, on, uh, you know, on previous matches or what our, what our analytics are showing, or, you know, we'll, we'll get, now we've been using VO, um, you know, from this summer, we had a couple different, get different cameras last year, but it's not uncommon for game film to be sent out to five or six of our senior guys. And, you know, we sit down for an hour and we, we just, we just spitball ideas, talk about different facets of, um, of the formation and just executions. And it, it it's really an evolution. I mean, and, and I think, you know, really for us, it's, it's going to continue to evolve. And I think, um, you know, the principles that we that we have now may not always be exactly exactly the same as as this thing grows and the and the game grows down down south. I think our biggest um our biggest limitation right now is obviously the talent level. Um I think in the majority of the clubs that you look at downstate, you know, we have out of an eighteen player, eleven side roster, right? I think you've got a good starting eleven. And then, you know, you don't always know what you're gonna get between twelve to eighteen. And again, I think as as this thing develops and grows, I think you're going to end up with extremely strong 18 player rosters to go play at some of these higher levels. So um, I just think it, I think it's going to evolve. And RJ, feel free to jump in if I'm if I'm rambling at all <laughs> um, or check something. But, um, you know, I think I, no, think I really- you
3: know I know yeah, I totally. I mean, I, I agree. Josh and I have been, you know, aligned with this idea that we have to make the kids as like as successful or create a platform for them to be as successful as we can. So if we're stuck in, in our ways with everyone's gonna play in the club a four-two-three-one, it may not work. Or or if everyone in the club is stuck playing a three-five-two, we just not every group has wing backs or you know whatever the case may be you know, we have to find the balance for each individual group to find success because from a club standpoint, that's what's going to keep them around and, and, you know, allow for them to develop in the game because they're finding success based on the guys that are around them or the girls that are around them, you know, so it's important for us You know, from day one of training, if we're with a new group, you know, is, you know, we teach the positions on the field one through 11 and the importance and the roles of the six, eight and the 10, no matter what the shape is or or formation, whether we're in a low block or a high block, whatever we're playing, um, you know, if they understand those roles and then we can shift from, you know, maybe it's a box midfield or maybe, you know, we're playing a traditional you know 4231 where there's only three central players whatever the roles are if we play with pivot sixes or two tens they know what the role is and then there's slight adjustments in the shape when we go we're teaching them the full game at that point and so you know when we get to national league or we get to tournament play when when you know we're playing for some hardware and we have to make an adjustment you know in the match to be able to you know counter better or or defend, you know, a stronger team, you know, a, a lot more collectively, they can adjust very quickly. And, and all of a sudden, you know, they become the students of the game that we preach on them. And, and you know, we've seen over the, the years in this model, um, you know, how much success these players have and, and how you know, attractive it is for them, new players for for guys to come back and and to bring their friends, or, or for new players to come in. We we've stuck by that, and, and we've taught the game, and and often we can sit back and watch for you know periods of the match where they become the problem solvers and they adjust, and then they you know can adjust very quickly, and it it is allowed for us to excel on that platform.
0: No, that's that's great, and I think obviously Dwayne Dwayne fits that that mentality too I've coached with him for a long time and this idea of like hey we started with four in the back and all of a sudden we're playing a three six one and we're literally telling them <laughs> we're literally
1: saying give them the ball they'll give it back to us uh, I mean <laughs> I mean, I was talking to Tuck the other day right and we were talking about you know just styles of play and we were like we'll start off in a four three three and end up in like a two four four or something like that with our <laughs> outside backs flying up the field and hey as long as we're creating opportunities getting shots on goal it is what it is right like I think um we've kind of had the same teacher kind of introduce us to the game and introduce styles of play and and I think it kind of translates right yeah you four-
2: pad, right <laughs>
1: yeah yeah, yeah. you starting a four three four three three and all of a sudden you're in a three six one <laughs> there you go it, it makes sense so RJ I mean you talked about you dropped national league a couple times and you know people might not know what the national league is and know that you know there's a four-letter word ecnl that always pops up or mls next or you know the former prcl what's the national league
3: national league is what the highest level of the edp right now and and it allows for our players to be competing you know on a, a national stage in their region and then compete Um, You know, when they win that to go, you know, what to regionals and then on from there. It's just the highest level of competition that we can provide for the kids that have been playing in, you know, their league and have been winning each tier that they've gone up in. So we have three age groups now that that are, or and have worked their way through um, each of these sort of lower tiers, winning, you know, finding success, winning. Um, and each year they win the league, they get promoted. And now we've got three age groups that are competing, um, you know, against some of the best clubs in the country. That's awesome.
0: And the USYS model um, from that standpoint, I think does a really good job of of having, sometimes it can be confusing, as Dwayne mentioned, this idea of ECNL, MLS Snacks of like, what is the pathway? What is, <clears throat> and I think USYS in general does a really good job of saying like, Here's the steps. So you go from here to there to there to there to there. Uh and if you win here, you go there. And if you win there, you go there. And then you just, you know, you move up.
1: Um sustainable for so teams too, right? Because I mean, he just said we have three teams, right? Yeah. Not fifteen teams, not twenty teams, just three, right? So individually it's it's good for those teams to to make that decision that's best for them and not yeah. taking the entire club with them and, and the other club find failure because they, they just
2: that's not what they desire. The flexibility is, is key. And I think as you look across, you know, any age group of, of, you know, and I'll just use, you know, the Eastern shore of, you know, Maryland and, and Delaware. But, you know, as you look at it, look across the majority of the clubs, um, you know, you have those special teams, you know, there may be three or four, you know, throughout the club that, that really just have those personnel and that talent level to play at a higher level. Um, You know, and and again, it's USYS provides that flexibility, you know what I mean? And those platforms that, you know, everybody, everybody can easily find a place at the proper level to play and compete, um, you know, and grow. And I and and for us, that's that's the model that works the best. Um, You know, I think it manages the travel expenses. I mean, we talk about we talk about the financial, you know, restrictions that that we deal with, you know, consistently in youth soccer. And, you know, again, there's, there's families, if they they can't necessarily afford to pay club fees, or, um, you know, tournament fees, how can we expect families to pay, you know, $10,000 $10,000 a year in travel expenses to go to regional and national events. So USYS, the, the formula that they've, that they've got, and they've been consistent. I mean, whether it was, you know, the DAs or the, you know, the ECNL, now the MLS next USYS has always consistently provided that platform and that opportunity. And I, and I think that consistency is, is vital for organizations such as ours to, you know, to, to stair step, you know, hopefully in three years, we've got seven, eight teams that are, that are playing in the national league, but, th- but that consistency I think is key, especially. Especially for organizations in a, in a similar situation as as us, with with population and and obviously financial restrictions.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think it's also this idea that even though there's a lot of players in Delaware, it still feels like you know, it. That doesn't feel like it's ever. It's never enough. Uh, yep. So so when you get this idea where you're as a whole entire club or on the girl side or the boy side, you're locked into this one thing, and and we've all seen it, right? Especially with the birth year change, you see it where there's there's birth years that. Uh, across the entire state, for example, either are just slightly more talented at times than other birth years, or there's just, for whatever reason, more of them. You know, there's, yep. just, there's just birth years that just have a lot of players, and and, and there's birth years where you're like, oh man, I got to remember. Uh, I remember, and uh, Tucker used to coach in this age group too. The 04 girls age group was, for whatever reason, like the lightest age group ever. Like there was ne- there was a lot of O fives, there was a lot of O threes. In O fours, there was nobody. It's like yep. there was no girls born in two thousand four in the state of Delaware. Uh <laughs> it was it was it was legitimate. I think there was only a, a like true 04 teams. I think there might have been only like two across the entire state.
2: Yeah. And I think that was after a couple or different organizations merged. Yeah. Just girls, they just sent girls to other ones just to create a team so yes. they had a to play.
0: Yeah, so you're talking about the entire state only had like 40 girls that were all born in the same birth year. So now you're trying to get them to compete. And the ability to even get the top 18 together is already hard enough as it is. So, um, so yeah, I think I think it it does provide the ability to to as you said, EDP has so many levels within it, so it, it allows you to find the right the right
1: balance between challenge and success. Um 2007 had a lot of boys, man. I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I don't know what happened in 04 with the girls, but the boys in 07, man, there's a million of them. 2006 <laughs> World Cup. I, I, I guess so. Because all born million, 2007. 2007 <laughs> points in Delaware. I don't, don't know they, about they, the rest. Don't of they the world.
0: say? Don't they say that like usually nine months after the World Cup, whoever wins the World Cup ends up with a influx of of, of kids. If we're yeah. the country, like there's a research done on the fact that like, it was, like I think it was France that they did the research on like when France in '98 won the World Cup, there was a bunch of kids born in '99. That's uh, great. My brother was
1: born in 99 that, that was tucker's that was tucker's team <laughs> <laughs> you got some french background in you dwayne do you know, my <laughs> cousin played in the that's right there you go um <laughs> so uh
0: what is the what is the relationship rj between you and dwayne for example where you two are coaching in the same in the same uh you're coaching two of the same teams within the same birth year two high school girls. So what is that relationship across the board in general between having two coaches coaching together or coaching two separate teams within the same birth year or group?
3: Yeah. So in our relationship, we're going to talk all the time about, you know, what the strengths and weaknesses are of the group and how maybe our sessions will differ or how they'll be the same. Um, but, but overall it's just constant communication. We've told players because when, when you go and separate teams and you say, here's a, an A team, here's a B team, you know, you, you have sort of some, you know, B team families that want to make sure that there's a, a chance for them to get back up and play on that A team. So our communication is going to be okay. You have, you know, maybe your top 15 out of 18 on the roster, um, you know, for that A team, and maybe there's a bottom three. And the conversation with those families is there's a chance that, you know, there's some B team players that can come up and play. And then there's a chance that some of those A team players can go down. Um, You know, so when you have an A and a B team, um, two different teams in the same age group, or, you know, whatever the case may be, you know, our relationship has to be, you know, a a constant communication so that, you know, we're doing what's best for the players and we're making sure that, you know, we are developing the players. We're moving them to compete at a higher level if they deserve to be there or putting them maybe down to a level that is more realistic for them to find success, because ultimately that's what, you know, we, we have to do, you know, as coaches is create a platform for these players to find success. So, you know, we're going to talk a lot this fall um, you know, and into the winter about, you know, where our groups are at and, and how we're coaching them, what style are we going to play, what benefits the team, you know, and is there a fluidity for the players to move up or down and not fall behind, even if, you know, we have uh, a you know, player on the B team that deserves to play with the A group. You know, we have to be on the same page about how we're coaching, what style we're playing so that, you know, those players can just move from one team to the next and not fall down a step. You know, it's kind of how we do it with the JV and the varsity at the high school level, where I've got those top JV players that are training and playing at a high level with their JV kids. Well, if my JV coach is doing and preaching the same things that I'm doing at the varsity level, then we can move those players up. It's going to be the same case between you know Dwayne and myself and i mean Dwayne, correct me if i'm wrong but you know we, we plan on having plenty of conversations throughout this fall about where the players are at and how we're coaching them
1: yeah i mean i think the benefit that the kids get in that age group is that they have two experienced coaches right like it's not i think sometimes Absolutely. when you get into an a b situation sometimes it's a newer coach you know or sometimes it's a less experienced coach you get two experienced coaches that have Coach in the age group, you got a high school a coach that coaches in high school so he can relate things to the high school game. Um, so I think, yeah, like a lot of, co- uh, a lot of collaboration, a lot of communication will help, you know, benefit the kids in general on, on, you know, just how to develop because ultimately our goal is to in February to send these kids off into their high school programs and have them earn a spot on their varsity teams or have them competing for minutes and just improving based on their previous season. So, I mean that's the goal. That's the end goal, right? So just keyword is development.
0: Um Josh, before we wrap up, you got you got at least three. Is, it, is there more than three high schools that like three high school coaches? I know you have Sussex Academy, CR and Dover. Are there am I missing any coaches that are coaching in any other schools?
2: Uh we have Zach Hearn who's he's the assistant varsity boys coach um at Lake Forest and he's okay. also the head the girls at lake um so lake forest is represented dover cr um sussex academy wheatley's rj's assistant at uh kyle wheatley he's rj's assistant at, at SAS, um toes at dover I don't, I don't think we're missing anybody else are we i don't think i don't yeah. think so and All and right. part is we have we have rela- so sean gorman at polytech yep. um he, he's a former staff coach with us we have a great segment into into Polytech. Um, you know, we're just really, we're really tied in with, you know, a lot of the immediate surround Milford as well. Um, you know, we're, we're tied in with all of these surrounding high school programs, um, which, you know, obviously the ultimate goal is for us to, you know, create, you know, the player pyramid pathway, as they call it sometimes, you know, we want to get them at the grassroots level. And and I think as we as we keep these open lines of of communication with with these high school coaches and those specific communities, um, which is why we go out and run camps in those specific districts. So Lake Forest has their own CR has their own SAS has their own. And again, it just kind of creates this soccer relationship with the high school staff and the high school kids come and volunteer just to kind of create that community based emphasis for those specific programs that hopefully will create that upflow um, and increase the level of competition as rj kind of alluded to earlier in the uh in the conversation so um yeah man we're we're plugged in we're plugged in tight with with a lot of these a lot of these surrounding districts
0: how do you manage the the internal rivalries going on in there
2: you know what's crazy is like man like listen we're all competitive like there is 100 percent going to be trash talk (laughs) um but it man we're fortunate these guys are professionals right like um you know, we're talking about you know two weeks before you know a big match between Caesar Rodney and Sass, right? Like, listen, DC's DC's texting me, hey, Tuck, these players got to rest. RJ RJ sending a group messages out, hey, man, these guys, these players have to rest before these games. Um, and it's man, it's it, it's about the success of the programs, but it's never at the cost of the players. And I think it's and it, it's a it's a really great environment and relationship that we all have and camaraderie that we have that I think has made this thing really special and successful so far. It's it's. Uh, uh, I f- I find a hard I have a hard time putting it into words. RJ, maybe you can articulate it a little bit better than I can. But it, it's uh, it's it's
3: amazing. It's amazing. The- yeah. I was going to say, we definitely encourage it. I I know like just from a coaching standpoint, I love it. I love when the boys come to that Wednesday training in between a a Tuesday match and a Thursday match. And, you know, they're talking about this and that. And, you know, one of the things that that I think I really appreciate is that competitiveness where like, you know, Tuck said they're going to trash talk and they're going to go back and forth, you know, on on who's better, how the score went, or whatever the case may be. But, you know, Those Dover and CR guys that are constantly battling. Once they've already played, then they're talking about, you know, how how do we go after Polytech, or what do you guys do against here? And, and you know, we talk about coaching collaborations and and how you know we we want to work together to, you know, figure out the, the best way to coach. Those kids are are talking to each other at the same time through all of that trash talk on how to find success as well. What did you do? They talk about tactics. I, I love it. I, I think the fall time frame for you know our, our boys soccer season when we train on those Wednesday nights for the high school age groups, like that's a special time because you're watching these kids compete against each other the day before and then play together that next day talking about how you know then the next guy's gonna you know be you know, competitive or, or, or take on the next opponent. You know, oh, did you play, you know, an Apo you know, earlier in the season, how'd you guys do against them? You know, who who is their guy? How good's their goalkeeper? That kind of thing. It's a special time and, and we encourage the competitiveness. We encourage, you know, them to, to, you know, come together on those training nights for club and uh, and battle it out there too and, and try and earn their their minutes however they can. Man, at the end oh. of the day you want to see a good game. And then you yep. want to see all you want to see all the DFA
1: players on the score sheet. Yeah, right? that's all. That's what you want to see, right? If it's a and it a will have, game, it you will want have to see three goals by DFA players. And there you go. Yep. Yeah, obviously, you want to see Dover beat CR every year. Every, every, <laughs> every, 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 we're just going no. to leave that one. We're going to leave that one there. <laughs>
2: and lab's not on the podcast to uh, to to counterpoint us. On.
1: <laughs> that could be the title of the podcast.
0: <laughs> You're just trying
1: to create enemies
0: for me. Like I had, <laughs> I had no skin in that
2: game, man. Look, to <laughs> be like for real. <laughs>
0: um, I mean, RJ, let's just uh, before we wrap up, quickly talk about the fact that uh your your little rivalry against somebody that that's very close to you, you kick off against Apo. So yeah. So yeah, you, yeah, you, we do. You against, you against Lance. Um so uh so what is what is that like in general just to to play against somebody that you're you're super close with and uh and have that be yeah. your first game of the season?
3: Yeah, well I'll tell you what, I think we've been talking about it being the first game of the season since he got hired for, for the girls back in you know whatever it was February or January um about when the boys would be playing each other and and you know when we would be you know matching up you know we we talk about the girls and then the boys but you know lance is one of my closest friends and you know we he just held a play day um you know whatever day it was last week and um you know he's calling me up before the play day you know when are you going to play your your top guys when are you going to play your you know second guys and we have that conversation he's like listen i'm playing my top guys these days or these games, and, and I want you to come watch, you know, give you a chance to watch my top group play and, and, you know, scout or whatever the case may be. But what it comes down to is, you know, I'm playing my top guys, and, and he's on my bench, and we're just talking tactics. He, he's, you know, uh, one of my closest friends and one of the guys that, like, I'm calling after every game no matter what because, you know, he's a soccer guy. He gets it, understands, you know, whatever the the stressors may be or, or the performance. Um, you know, to to kick off against him and have him come to Sussex Academy, um, you know, a school that doesn't have football. So their fall sport, everything that they rally around the school is boys soccer. We'll put out probably 500, 600 people will come out to that game and pack a a small stadium, The food trucks. There's a whole tailgate. And for it to be Lance, I know that they're going to be prepared. Uh, They're going to be well coached. And, you know, my guys are going to be ready and they're hungry this year. And I think that it, Lance had a strong team at Carabao the last two years and the, the level of competition from him to, to myself was not equal, if you will. Um, and I think this year that it really will be. And for us to kick off against him, I get to see him first game of the year, you know, and, and, and I'm busting his chops. How well did you prepare your guys? Because game one, it's really about that, you know, three week preseason. You don't get to see <laughs> too much of them until after that, you know, first couple of weeks of once the season starts. So I'll, I'll be busting his chops, but it's exciting. He's he's one of my closest friends, and, and yeah, I'm ready for it. I mean, I wish it was tomorrow. I wish it was tonight.
1: Hey, Sebastian. I mean, you got a you got a game coming up against, uh, you know, Sussex Academy, last game of the year, senior night, man. You got to be <laughs> five hundred. He said five hundred, six hundred people come out to his games. You got to pack the stadium. <laughs> food trucks and everything
3: uh yeah i mean hey, i'm a middletown i'm a middletown guy I, I haven't even been on that campus yet so I, i'm excited to go there and play there
0: it's uh it's a cool it's a cool campus yeah it's our senior night first senior class so it'll be a, a little bit it'll be of a special uh a special a special game i think it'll be like that ted lasso, that like one of those ted lasso episodes at the end mm-hmm. there where they're all crying right before the game starts so um Yeah. I mean, I think it'll be, I think it'll be fun. I mean, I think it's, uh, we've, we've been talking about this with the boys about, you know, why we want people to come out to our games and, and what we want them to see and the excitement of it. And I think, um, I think that's what high school sports does. Right. I think it's the idea that, especially for, for that first senior night for us. Um, honestly, I, I wish it wasn't against you guys, but, uh, but, but it'll, it'll be fun. I mean, I think it'll be, it'll be a good time. Um, you know, it'll be my first senior night coaching as a head coach. I was in the Middletown senior night last year, but this will be my first, my first senior night as a head coach. And, um, and, you know, it's just hopefully I'm as prepared as I can be before the. And listen, best case scenario at that point when we meet each other for game 14 of our season, uh, we're both in the playoffs and the game means we can take it.
3: Yeah. We're both locked in, right? Yeah. We're both yeah in. that is the we're, hope. Both
0: locked, we're both locked in. And that's, uh, that's that that'll be that'll be the best case scenario right there. So um
3: so the emotions can
0: <laughs> don't have to be that much Yeah, listen,
3: it. that was us last year. We last game of the year, we're down one nothing at halftime. We have to win to get in. And it's like what well, you know, what are you made of at halftime? There's no tactical talk you you know, it's yeah. about how much heart you got to to come back and, and you know get the job done. Yeah, no, I get it. I hope that we're secure by then as well. So <laughs> yeah, that yeah. is big of a game.
0: yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, plus, it's the day before Halloween. Like, who's trying to like?
2: <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <so, laughs> yep.
0: um, um. All right. Well. Well. Rj. Josh. It's, it's been awesome to have you guys on. Uh. Really appreciate it. And then, you know, best of luck with with not only, uh, the club, but just everything you guys are doing. And uh, you know, uh, have fun. Have fun having doing on your on your
1: staff.
2: So we're, we're <laughs> what are
1: you trying to say there man
2: <laughs> but it took me three years i think to finally wrangle him back down 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 in county but we got him
0: yeah like, have him back. yeah uh this will be the first time in this will be the first fall season in like six years that Dwayne and i uh are now wearing the same shirt yeah um yeah, so you gotta, just, wear that ODP, you
1: gotta wear that ODP jacket, man. I gotta wear that ODP <laughs> jacket. Yeah,
0: yeah, uh, yeah. So this will be the first fall that we haven't coached. We haven't coached together, and the last four years, I think we've actually coached together for the last four years. So, uh, so this will be this will be a little different start to the fall season. So, but but like RJ said, right? Like it, it's it's that like phone call or text message usually to Dwayne, uh, right after a game, long, or like on my way out. Like yesterday, I called him literally on my way out of out of a desk out of practice, and I was like, hey, like. Here's what happened today, kind of thing, but um, but yeah, it's always it's always so good to have that relationship with other people, regardless of what you know, club or or high school that they're that they're in. It's it's always good to have that relationship. So thank you guys so much for coming on. To uh, really appreciate it. Cool.
3: Thanks. Yeah, for thanks having for us.
0: having us. All right, Duane. What a super busy week in uh, soccer in the United States. All right, let's 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 talk about that before we talk about the World Cup or the Women's World Cup. Um, So what has happened in the last two weeks since we recorded?
1: Let's see. Dude, Dude. First of all, the, what was the World Cup final? Wasn't that last week? That was last Sunday, right? This past Sunday, less than a week this ago. This past Sunday, okay. Let's, yeah, less than so, yeah, so we'll, that, we'll talk about that in a second. Got the well, League's Cup about, final.
0: Let's talk about the League's Cup, right? So uh, the last time we recorded... Uh, we had, we were going to the inter Miami Philadelphia union game potentially because that, that night, the inter Miami and the union played that night, that Friday night. Um, that was big. Also the beginning of my downhill physically, (laughs) that was before that morning is when I got really sick. Um, and I didn't go to that Friday night game. Uh, but the union, the union won, the union got to the semifinals, uh, against inter Miami. Um and and Messi came to Philadelphia. Um, and I will say it is it has since changed. Uh, it has changed since then, but I will say that, um, it, it was a really really cool atmosphere to be at Subaru Park when it's been that absolutely packed. Um, and at the same time, an interesting dynamic to hear. Like I understand the the Philly fandom of like supporting your local team. Um, I don't 100% disagree. Uh, I don't 100% agree with the idea of like trash talking somebody that's that at this point is, is undeniable. Like, it's he is the best player in the world. Uh, he has now done it everywhere he's gone, including the
1: MLS. Um, what has he done in MLS? What do you mean? How? What has he done with the MLS? He hasn't, he hasn't played an MLS yet.
0: Uh, technically, he has not played in an MLS game. <laughs> he's played in the league's cup. He's playing
1: the uh the U. He has League not cup. played a single MLS game.
0: He has not played a single MLS cup. Any uh, MLS game. And according to some room, some rumors, he may not play in an MLS game uh this weekend. Yeah, rest. Some rumors that he might not be traveling to to New York to play the Red Bulls, which would suck for those people that went went and bought those Red Bull tickets for like $700. Yeah. Nobody expected Miami to have this many games in a month.
1: Yeah, he's played eight games in a month. Yeah. Um, Um, But I mean, for the Red Bulls fan, they're probably looking at the NYCFC (laughs) tickets right now and saying, when you guys play Miami. Yeah. Yeah,
0: but uh, so yeah, so to basically a shout out to the the guy that uh that left a little early, um, wearing an Eagles jersey to the Union game, right in front of me, that kept yelling "Messi sucks," and as soon as Messi scored the longest goal of his career, um, had nothing
1: to say. Night, Andre Blake. Yeah, so I was like, like, um, you know the movie American Sniper. Yes, he was like the Argentinian sniper
0: yeah there you go um so then from there uh from there inter miami goes to play um Simpson
1: nashville
0: nashville in the, no no oh, nashville. sorry
1: yeah the league's cup final Yeah, nashville
0: in the, in the league's cup final um and again just messy doing messy things and then mpk's uh drake calendar comes up massive um the goal he, and the save. He's got to. He's got to be the number one for the U.S. Man at this point. Just, just put him in. Um. You no one's played this many games. No, he's a he's a goalkeeper with the most amount of games.
1: Yes, he he's I mean, my, I he's, he's an American uh, goalkeeper with the look, most. Amount he looks of games good. I mean, he he got called into camp for the Nations League, the the Concacaf Nations League yeah. final, right? And that's kind of the first time a lot of people heard his name and then you're like well he plays i know i was like well he plays on the worst team so he's probably is getting a look because they're getting so many goals scored on him. that all and, he is is probably saving everything
0: and then um and then uh on uh on Wednesday uh Inter Miami played uh Cincinnati in the US Open Cup semifinal uh, saved and Cincinnati goes up 2 nothing um then it was then it was 2-1 Then it was 3 1. Um, and then Messi in the last five minutes basically placed two passes to Campana's head that were like it might as well, he might as well just walked it to his head and just dropped it on top of his head. Um, they were just that special. And then again, Drake Callender comes up big. Uh and Cremanci seals the deal. Kid that kid is kid's Good. good. Kid's good. That so kid. they'll play so they'll play Houston uh in the final um this week. I don't know. But it's it, it is in Miami next week. It might be actually it might not be this time, it might be in a little bit. Uh but they they, they are gonna play that in Miami. Um so
1: Miami will uh, salt yep. yeah,
0: so Houston won. Um, so yeah, I mean that's been the the uh, well the the other upside is is that the union they did beat Monterey um and are in the Champions League. will be playing Champions
1: League football. Champions League football next year. So um it'll be it'll be really good. Yeah. I mean, I think for um I mean, dude, that kid good. He is good. Yes. He's like for someone to get cut out of the the Miami Academy that brought back brought back and then like
0: almost went almost to almost, almost decided, decided to almost decided to go to the college pathway that the MLS offers
1: right um but i mean like dude him like he's been the best him and jack McGlenn have been the two best young midfield midfielders in mls that i've been able to see i mean there's probably some other names that i've probably missed just not being able to watch them all the time but like yeah. those two right there that's yeah. like those are two teenagers that can play like that's the thing too like they're teenagers like they can and they yeah, can play team. 90 minutes and fit in there like Miami almost looked lost without, without him on the field. Yeah, <laughs> like it's kind of crazy to say that about like an 18, 19 year nineteen-year-old. But yeah, man, that's I been good. Play. Um. So yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see
0: what now Messi does when when they have to play in a now
1: you're well, putting points, which is hasn't been well, something they've had to do. That's the I mean, that's the big thing, right? So you look back to what they went to PKs with Dallas. Maybe, mm. or do they end up beating Dallas in, in regular time. No, they went to PKs against Dallas against Dallas. So you go to PKs with Dallas. You go to PKs with Cincinnati, right? So Nashville and Nashville, right? So those are the three games that they didn't quote unquote win in regular time. And I think the hard part for Miami now is in a regular season game, you get a point. They got a lot of ground to catch up. Being at the bottom of the table, a lot of people don't. I mean you got to kind of remind people of that like sure they've, they've gone eight and zero since messi's gotten there but they've got a lot of ground to catch in ninth place
0: yeah i they, mean like, right now right now they're sitting at the bottom of the bottom of the table they're down there like pretty down 18 there, points, points 18 yeah 18 points yeah. chicago's got 32 points so yeah. I and mean, you're still you're sitting um
1: 14 points behind got to win those games too like you can't i don't know that they can really afford a lot of ties you can't really drop points if they want to go to the playoffs the
0: upside the upside i think for inter miami is that your your schedule um in this half of the season you end up playing so you play um so you, you play, don't have to play, that, the Union you play anymore so you played red bulls right so you played red bulls which is which is good because that's a that's a direct competitor to your ability to get into the playoffs right the red bulls are sitting at 29 points they're trying to get in the playoffs so it's a direct competitor that you can take points away from those are the like when you call them six point games kind of thing yeah there's a six point game um you play nashville boom that's a that's a direct competitor then you play LAFC and sporting kansas city coming out of the west coast um or the western conference so that's a little bit of a difference um but then you play you still got to play atlanta which again is sitting at 38 points they're in the they're in the 7th seed right now but you know things change so that's a direct competitor then you play Toronto uh who is just as bad as you from a, from a points perspective right now so it's a huge game for you to win then you play uh Orlando um which is towards the top of the league um but a again rivalry a rivalry game then the inter, then the the US, US Open Cup final which is going to be September 27th uh, so, is not the day that they rescheduled the Union game for.
1: Yeah, it's Wednesday. Yeah, it's Wednesday. So, but like you got to think about that, right? Like you got now you throw a final into like this.
0: Well, so you play Orlando before you play the final, and then you play NYCFC three days later. So,
1: how do you mean? Like those could
0: potentially be three really like so NYCFC, who is also down this year, then you play Chicago. Who is right now in the ninth seed? That's a guy. That's a team you're trying to catch. Then you play Cincinnati, who's at the top of the league, um, and then you play Charlotte, who is towards the bottom as well. So realistically, out of the, your all the, your games that you have left, so right now Inter Miami in the MLS has 11 games left. Out of the eleven games, nine of them are
1: against East Coast or east uh east conference opponents you gotta so. hope you gotta hope for teams to drop points because you gotta get into that nine seed to get into that playing game right yes nine seed gets you into that eight versus nine which is kind of like the baseball but again part.
0: the upside is is that you play out of the nine games that you play you play one two three four five five teams that are currently in the playoffs so you can make some teams drop points and if you can play chicago like it might come down to the last game, to the to one of the last games of the season, which
1: is uh is Chicago, and it might come down to that. Yeah, because so, I mean, I'm not looking at the table right now, but I mean, I'm pretty sure there's lower those teams at the like seven, eight, nine, they're probably really tight when it comes to points.
0: Yeah, actually, no. Atlanta six points ahead of Montreal. What you what you have some tight teams in is Montreal, Chicago, DC, and Red Bulls are all within three points of each other and then charlotte and nycfc are only three points behind the red bulls and then after that you have toronto and miami further Well, actually
1: miami miami's got two or three games in hand too they've only played 22 games yes yeah so you have more games than anybody else so right now let's just say you were to Uh, Because they couldn't play, they couldn't play this. They couldn't play the League's Cup when everybody came back for the League's Cup, and they couldn't really play on Wednesday because they had the final. Gotcha. So let's just say you're
0: right now. Right now, let's just say Atlanta, for example. Actually, let's just say Chicago and Montreal. Right. So you're two points behind. The you're two games behind them. So let's just say you win those two games, you go from being at 18 points um, to now being at 24 points. Um, well, you're still
1: 15th to 14th.
0: <laughs> yeah, you go from 15th to 14th, but 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 now all of a sudden your 14 points is gone down to to eight, right? Like, so it's yeah. a different mentality now. You have you're only eight points, so now Chicago goes on a three game losing streak. Um, I mean you're you're in at that point, I and mean, Chicago still has to play Galaxy, Vancouver, DC, Montreal, Columbus. So there's there's a lot going
1: on there. Um. Chicago's a Windy City, man. It's gonna be a tough place to play once uh it turns into fall. Yeah. So, <laughs> all
0: right. Well, let's talk about the Women's World Cup. Um so Women's World Cup. Um a fantastic performance from Spain, I thought. Um I think um I think Earps did a fantastic job in the goal for England, but ultimately Spain I think outside of the Japan game was the most consistent team across the entire World Cup. Um I thought they were super dominant in and even the way they played um against England. I just think it's just really good style of play. Uh it suits them possession not really like just being super sure of what they're doing in their um with the ball and that's with patea is still not 100% and barely like getting very limited minutes. So now so i'm super happy for spain i think that's fantastic considering two years ago they didn't really have a standard league that no they've, they've made
1: i mean from the last world cup they've made strides. massive massive
0: like massive strides. um unfortunate that the entire world cup or women's world cup or the spain win has been tainted by uh luis rubiales uh who is the president of the royal spanish football Federation. Uh, for being an absolute moron and an idiot, um, for deciding that it, he thought it would be appropriate to. I already, when I was watching it, I was like, this is weird. Like, this guy's out there just like flat out like kissing the players on the cheek, like super aggressively and like multiple kisses, and then grabs Jenny Hermoso and like gives her a kiss on the lips. Like, what are you doing, man? Like, in what world do you think that's okay?
1: I don't know, man. That guy, guy is. Um, I will say that it's great that Spain won the World Cup, but they've got to look look at their internal structure and uh, definitely make some changes. Because I think
0: well, the guy, the guy is apparently supposed to be resigning today because uh, FIFA opened up a a file on him and they were going to investigate him in general. So he he's decided to step down, or he is going to be stepping down, which is good because that guy needs to not be involved in in any sort of. Uh, soccer that involves people or
1: women and and just in general not be around people uh yeah man i think it's i think it's, uh, uh, it's something that you know Spain is in the you know they're in the news for the right reasons and then he kind of tarnishes everything they're in the re- absolute and then you go off to
0: say that like it was as a passionate thing between friends it's like nah man like that's not okay like you can't rationalize something that like that like you made a mistake like you shouldn't
1: have done that you can't yeah. rationalize it, um, especially with everything else going on. I mean, yeah, you like, just—it comes at a bad time, right? Like you got the the whole like Mason Greenwood thing with Manchester United, and yes. that's coming around at the same time because a lot of the the players from England play for Manchester United, so they apparently they wanted input. Manchester United wanted to provide input from them based on whether they should bring Greenwood back to the table or not. Yeah
0: um so yeah so uh but congratulations to spain that is my my player of the match award it goes out to to spain for winning the world cup and and also england in general and just i think in general the world cup um which is a really really i like the new i like the 32 team format i think it's i think it's great for the women's game um so it's it's fantastic that we had a, it was a very successful world cup in my opinion so yeah
1: i mean yeah I mean it was it was good I mean I can't wait for it to be back on this time zone <laughs> yeah I know but there was no it was, it was mm, so
0: inconsistent too because there was even d- different time zones between New Zealand and Australia that were that were tough
1: um so yeah, and, and and either, five sounds like uh, four sometimes a uh, three well the other part where it was you know they were guesstimating when the US was going to play expecting yeah. to win the group so instead of playing at like 10 o'clock our time, they're playing at like four a.m. Like yeah. that's the tough part. It's great, it, it's great, but that's always the. tough I mean, I guess it's the tough part for anybody, anywhere, depending on where the World Cup is. But yeah. um, now looking forward to the next one. Yeah, In the right, sure. zone. um. Well, more more friendlier. I'll be four years older. I might not be going to bed <laughs> like two a.m. anymore. Um, who's your player of the match? Player of the match, gonna go out to my my young bulls, the DFA twenty ten boys. Um responded well with the fitness tests. um so put it into context wanted to do a fitness test last monday which is supposed to be our first day of training thunderstorms i was going to do it on tuesday thunderstorms did it on wednesday wednesday i think was a little it was the, obviously the hottest day just because there was no storms no cloud cover um and i think the heat really like kind of hit them from yeah. running the manchester Uniteds. you know running 10 sprints 100 yard sprint and in uh basically 10 minutes, getting a three minute break and then going into the um the timing portion of it where you gotta get down in a certain amount of time and come back in a certain amount of time. Um so we ran it again on Wednesday, Wednesday night when it was a little bit cooler and they responded uh really well. I had good. five kids actually complete the entire test, which was which is good. Good. it's really good they, a lot of them met the threshold which was good um but i had five kids really push themselves should have been six one of the knuckleheads didn't realize that you had to run it three times at the end so he <laughs> was over there so over there celebrating <laughs> the other kids are still running he's like oh wait i was supposed to run it two more times i was like <laughs> come on man Five other kids heard the instructions. You're know. you over there and thought you won the gold medal or something. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. Well, on this day in
0: soccer history, um, I got I got two for you. Uh one uh one's a little more personal. So August twenty fifth, twenty eleven, uh my wife and I started dating officially. Uh so
1: Dude, I saw that on Facebook. I said, Man, I felt like you already had an anniversary this year because you said you had my wedding summer. anniversary.
0: My wedding anniversary
1: yeah you're one of them people that i feel like you have two birthdays a year two anniversaries a year but your birthday is in like november mine is in november yeah i don't know why i think it's at the beginning of the year so no. no, you got weird. one weird birthdays yeah um <laughs> your birthday have a birthday in november it feels like you have two birthdays it feels i have like a
0: pretty popular birthday morning. um a lot of people have my birthday um so yeah so uh august 25th 2011 so um again i think without Without that happening, I don't know that this podcast exists because I wouldn't be in Delaware. So, uh,
1: so a lot of a lot of it is owed to that. Um, August twenty fifth, two thousand eleven, was probably getting killed in preseason. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: all right, and then August twenty fifth,
1: nineteen twenty eight, Dwayne. Yeah, is that your uh, birthday? <laughs> the day you were born?
0: Nineteen twenty eight, uh, Arsenal, uh, who at the time were playing Division One. Of the football league was playing in sheffield wednesday and chelsea who at the time were playing division two of the football league um division two this year uh was playing against swansea uh it was the first uh the first football league teams to have numbers um on the back of their their shirts uh so arsenal and chelsea um were were the first two to have numbers in the back of their jerseys to help identify players. Now look at that. us now.
1: Look at us now, man. Now we fight for numbers. Um yeah, I mean, you got you still got um who am I thinking of? Um Balde from Barcelona is still waiting for his contract to be registered so he can change numbers. Yeah. Yep. Now we got a number system.
0: Yeah, and back in those days, I think you still had like if you go back through some of the like the World Cups in the '70s and the '80s, um, the jerseys were actually assigned by. Position. Uh, no, they were by, assigned by last name. Mm. So your number, your number was was in accordance to where you fell in the alphabetical order. So you know, A's were had the lower numbers, and you know, Z's had the higher numbers.
1: So. In my uh, last name, so I can get my number.
0: And then before that, it was before that it was uh it was by position, so only numbers one through eleven could start. So you would actually swap jerseys every game. You wouldn't be consistently having the same number.
1: You still see some countries do that from time to time. International games that, like international friendlies, I should say. Not that I think the international friendlies are getting phased out. Yeah, which yeah. is a shame. It is. Um. All right. Do you, the day you have been... Mexico tickets? Huh. You get Germany Mexico tickets. Germany Mexico. Yeah, you didn't get that email.
0: No, I didn't get that email. I mean, I might have. I may have overlooked it this week.
1: The Union, the, the Germany and Mexico are playing in Philly in October. Oh, oh. I mean, we got a we got a nice little discount.
0: Oh, okay. I might have to check that out. Is that Super saying, Park or is, at
1: the, at or is that the the link? Was it a link at the link or is it at the link? Park? Yeah. Oh, it's a far drive. <laughs> <laughs> That's the crazy part. I I did think it was further when I was coming from Penn's Landing to the game on Sunday. I was like, oh, it's only twenty minutes. Yeah. Kind of nice. um, yeah. Penn's Landing is a new spot before the games. Okay.
0: Uh, all right. So uh, the Dance is Fair Play of the Week award. My um, goes. Mine goes out to, um, to the Odessa Boys. Um. Just. Just been. They've been. They've been. They've been doing a good job of adapting to uh, team building, which is something that they were, I don't think they were used to as much, so um, so yeah, so that team building and self-awareness is huge, so I
1: thought you were going to say they got that dog in them <laughs> we'll we'll get the dog out of them
0: we're ducks, man, we're not dogs, we're ducks we're just trying to be ducks what's the,
1: what's the biggest duck in the world?
0: Uh, I don't know, a mallard maybe? I don't know right, that's
1: a good question, right? I don't okay. know uh, here, I'll look it
0: up while you tell me your your dancing is for a play of the week ago. Uh mine play. is gonna go
1: out. I'm gonna keep it with the uh, DFA. Shout out to all the coaches, man. Um been very supportive of me. Um, make it a point to to just welcome me and then reach out. You know, I had a couple I had a coach um who actually coached my cousin in basketball growing up. Um reached out to me. He was like, Yo, I need that fitness test that you're running. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I, he said, you you know, just nothing but kind words. Had another coach say, oh, I see you move that fitness test. So I have to practice trying to get that dog. And I was like, Oh, yeah, I'm trying to find that dog and my players. So just a lot of the coaches have been very supportive and just welcoming. Good. So that's always good. Um, taking notice. Good. Um, largest duck in the world, uh, Muscovy duck. Yeah, that's a, I'm looking at him. Uh, 15 15 pounds. It's a big
0: 15-pound duck. Yeah. So uh, we're the 15-pound duck in the
1: room. (laughs) Wait, hold on. No, 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 no. no. The duck weighs 8,000 pounds. 8,000? Yeah, he was just in Maryland. 8,000? Yeah, this Muscovy? Doing 8,000 pounds? Oh, you're talking about the real duck
0: and not the rubber duck the rubber duck i don't want a rubber duck
1: oh uh, no one no one cares about a giant rubber uh, duck. here's the no sorry the way my google was set up it said number one largest duck muscovy and then it had a picture of this big old rubber duck next to it
0: <laughs> no no, so no i'm
1: like yo there ain't no way this duck weighs 15 pounds
0: no 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 we're talking about uh we're, we're talking about the Muscovy duck, who's uh massive, 15 pounds. Uh, oh, the yeah, males are larger is- than the females, and they can be up to 31 inches. Um, they're native to America. Uh, They thrive in cold conditions, and they can be found in swamps and lakes and streams.
1: Uh, Can't be a Muscovy in uh, Argentina, though. They're, uh, they're not down there. Why not? They're not. I'm looking at the map. Oh,
0: um. Don't, all right. don't, well, don't go down there. Well, for more duck information, make sure you follow us on Instagram at the <laughs> soccer podcast at d soccer podcast <laughs> well, for all your for your duck needs. Um. Uh, well, thanks for joining us this week, and remember, always receive the ball on your front foot.